Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, where Solomon says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. So far our text. What is good and fitting in this life? It is truly to rejoice and to enjoy the days that God has given us. And as we'll, as we'll hear in a few moments when we come to the Lord's altar, we hear every Sunday when we come to receive His body and blood, it is good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to God. And that is the point of the Christian life, is to have a life that is taken over by God to give Him praise and glory. St. Paul, as he writes to the Philippians shortly before his death, says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Didn't matter rich, poor, healthy, unhealthy, he was content and enjoyed the days that God had given him. Because he knew that the days of our life are few. As the psalm says, the years of our life are 70, or by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. We have people, and we've seen it, some in our own lives, some in our parents' lives and grandparents, that once they hit 70 and 80, yeah, things start to go a little bit not quite right. For some of us, it happened a little earlier, but we won't go into that. But the point is, we don't know the number of our days. We don't know if we'll live to be 120 or if some of us won't even live to see 20. And the rest of us are somewhere in between. But this life is a life that is to be lived in the praise and glory of God. Because as Solomon says, what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? What gain is there for you to work for nothing? Because we see in this life there is much toil and trouble. People even who are Christians that are homeless, hungry, captive, or excessively grieving. We have these things in our lives and we know they're there. We know the darkness is all around us. So the psalm also tells us to teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Not to know how many days we have, but to take account of every day that we have. That we may enjoy today, as long as it is called today, to borrow from Hebrews. Because truly, every day we can wake up and draw breath is a gift from God. The best and greatest gift that God gives us outside of salvation is to be able to wake up in the morning and to do what He has for us that day. But we do also have to worry about the things that occupy our days. Solomon, one of the richest men ever to live, 
although there are a few who are trying that, to break that today, says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. We're just saying the world sinks after wealth and all that mammon offers, yet never is content, though gold should fill its coffers. Even the richest people in the world will tell you they don't quite have enough. But they can never pinpoint what is enough. Whether it's enough money, enough friends, enough influence in the world, when is it ever enough? And that tends to cloud our judgments and our minds because it's a distraction of what we have and having enough. Because we're called not to have enough, we're called to be content. So Jesus says in our Gospel reading, having just seen the rich young man going away sobbing, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Not that we are not called to be to give off all of our wealth and to live in poverty and destitution, but to not have that as the source of our comfort. Because the source of our comfort should be Christ and His promises, especially as we heard from Hebrews this morning, the promise of that Sabbath rest that He gives to all the faithful. So the writer of the Hebrews says, while the promise of entering His rest still stands... It's still there for you. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have failed to reach it. We only fail to reach it when we stop looking for it. When we stop seeking the rest that God gives to us. And that rest comes in many different ways. We come here and we spend the few moments each week hearing His Word, studying the Scriptures, Because we know built on the rock, as we'll sing later on, the church shall stand even when steeples are falling. Whether it's the building that crumbles due to lack of upkeep, or tornado comes through, or whatever natural disaster, or even perpetrated disaster. The building does not make the church. The people who gather together are what makes the building church. Because it was not Jesus who came to say, hey, look at the temple. This is where you need to be. He says, no, destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it up again. Because it is not the physical building. It is He who dwells in heaven above that chooses to live with us. Chooses to come and to make our bodies His temple. And that even if there are only two of us to come together. He says, "Whether where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them with all my grace and favor. And so we find rest wherever we can, whether it's in our personal study or corporately. And in that study, the one thing that comes out in every one of the stories about the patriarchs, the kings, the prophets, anything, any story of any person in the Bible, it comes down to accept your lot in life. Accept what 
Jesus has given for you. And for you to do, and for where you are. One of the great martyrs that embodies this idea of accepting his lot is St. Ignatius of Antioch, who the church remembers today. Truly a man who understood what is the world to me, with all its vaunted pleasure, when you and you alone, Lord Jesus, are my treasure. And he was the Bishop of Antioch in Syria in the last decade of the first century and the first decade of the second century. Arrested and sent to Rome to face the lions in the Colosseum. And as he's traveling from Syria to Rome, he's writing letters to different churches in Asia. And finally, he ends up writing one to Rome to be able to have a welcome there when he arrives. And to them he says, From Syria to Rome I fight with wild beasts, by land and by sea, by night and by day, imprisoned amidst ten leopards, even a company of soldiers who only wax worse when they are kindly treated. However, I am becoming more completely a disciple through their misdeeds, but I am not thereby justified. May I have the beast's joy that has been prepared for me. I pray that I might find them quickly. I will entice them to devour me quickly, not as they have done to some, refusing to touch them because of fear. Even if they are unwilling while I am ready, I myself will force them. Bear with me. I know what is expedient for me. Now I am beginning to be a disciple. May nothing visible or invisible envy me that I attain to Jesus Christ. From fire and cross and grappling with beasts, cutting, being torn apart, wrenching of bones, hacking of limbs, crushing of my whole body. All these are the devil's cruel tortures to assail me. I only desire to attain to Jesus Christ. Knowing his fate, knowing what was ahead of him, and that his days were very few, he accepted that this was God's will for his life. That it was God's will for him to be a martyr just like many others, would give their lives for the proclamation of the gospel, knowing that they would leave just as they came in, naked, with nothing of their own, so nothing they would take with them. And we see this throughout the Bible, where Job, after losing all of his earthly possessions and most of his family, faithfully exclaims, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or St. Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And that imitation of Christ being what he wrote to the Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We call ourselves Christians because we want to be imitators of Christ. And Christ knew his lot. He knew his lot well before he became the babe in the manger of Bethlehem. Long before Gabriel came to Mary, to tell her she would be the mother of the Messiah. Long before even Adam and Eve first had the gospel given to them. 
And he rejoiced that he would have that privilege of being the sacrifice for you and for me. And in that sacrifice, making our lives filled with praise, filled with joy, because He has promised us that Sabbath rest that comes at the end of our days. The Sabbath rest, like God resting on the seventh day of creation when all of His work was done, so that we, when all of our work is done, may rest and rejoice forevermore. Because as Solomon says, he will not remember much the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. That joy is the joy of Christ. The joy of being children of a loving Heavenly Father who has given us everything that we have in this life so that we might enjoy it every day. Amen.